0: hello 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 okay welcome back to melanated movies monday we're coming in heavy this week we're coming in heavy this week i have a lot to say about the film that i watched so i'm gonna get right into it like i'm getting right into it let me grab my so i went ahead and i watched the movie and there's two versions of this movie, and I'm about to tell y'all what it is, so don't worry. But there's two versions of this movie, and I haven't watched the second version yet. Well, I watched the second version when I was younger, but I don't really remember a lot of it. I just remember like the overall theme, and before I watched the original version of this movie, I read the summary. Which is basically just about the overall theme. I got a little bit of detail with all the research I was doing for the basics, but again for the most part I didn't see the detail and when you watch a movie everything is different because you're seeing the way the producer and the director is looking at each scene, looking at the way they choose to do stuff with the cuts that they make, with the angles that they're using, what they really want you to focus on. I didn't really focus on that in my notes just because the plot in and of itself is just a lot. But I really wanted to focus on, first I'm gonna lay down the facts of the actual movie and then I'm gonna get into the plot and how I felt about it and then I'm gonna compare it to the new movie. So right now I'm watching I watched the old version i'm gonna go back and watch the new version and i'm gonna come back up come back and let y'all know how i feel about it but after watching a new version the old version i had to tell y'all what was up and what's not up because and i didn't want to forget nothing because there was a lot going on so i decided to watch a raisin in the sun and it is the 1961 production from Columbia pictures and this is the, this is the movie that everybody be talking about when they talk about Sidney Poitier, and there were there was a lot going on behind the scenes with this movie. So this was released May 29th, nineteen sixty one. So it'd be turning sixty two years old this year. The director was Daniel Petrie. So this is a black movie with a white director. Um, the budget for this movie was one point five million dollars. That's wild. That's for that time period that was kind of crazy that was kind of wild um and it's based on a play by a black woman she her name was lorraine Hansberry, and the play is based off of something that happened in her real life which i think is interesting so back in her childhood essentially the same thing happened um her family came into money and They decided to move to a white neighborhood, and the white neighborhood was kind of like, you can't live here. So they literally tried to, like, kick them out. But with the help of the NAACP, they fought the organization and actually got paid from it. So, you know, the black people won for once. But it was very, it was a very interesting experience watching this film especially knowing that it was something that happened to her similarly of course everything isn't exact but yeah I'm just I'm gonna get into it but I did want to talk a little bit more about Lorraine she had about two or three siblings And she was born May 19th, 1930. And she did get to see this movie in films because she passed away shortly after the movie was released in 1965 due to cancer. So I'm really glad that it was one of those women and she got to experience the fruit of her labor and seeing what it came out to be. And I hope she liked it. I didn't get to I didn't really see whether she liked it or not, but The movie was like two hours long, so I feel like they did a really good job of reiterating the play. Maybe I'll go back and watch the play and kind of compare the two. This movie was actually preserved or was selected to be preserved in the United States Film Registry by the Library of Congress in 2005 because of its cultural, historical, or aesthetic significance. And that kind of goes into the plot of the movie here. So. If you don't know, the plot of the movie is that this black family loses the head of their family so the main character's father passes away and their life insurance check comes in and it's 1959, the story takes place, 1959, and they received $10,000, which would be about $95,000 today, and the entire movie is basically about what to do with, with the it. money. They ultimately decide to go ahead and... And put some money towards buying a house. And that house happens to be in the white neighborhood. And the white neighborhood does not want them there. Now, in the 1961 version, you only see them in the house for like a little snippet of time. You don't really get to see them live in the house. Most of the movie takes place in their apartment. And there's a lot going on. I want to get down to the nitty-gritty. Now, the main character, his name is um, Walter... I think it's Waller and Lee, um, younger, and it is played by Sydney Portier. I believe Sydney Portier is a genius. Um, I was really excited to watch this movie so I could see more Sydney Portier. Rest in peace to him. We did lose him recently, but watching him in this movie was unbearable. It it really was. It was very unbearable. I cannot believe he was flailing around the scene like. Like a madman, like it was. I had to stop watching it and pause it for like a minute and go into my sister because I was like, Why is he acting like this? Why is he acting like he is on drugs? Like, and I get it. And part of his argument was that he wanted to invest in a business, and it seemed like his entire family was against him investing in this business with some of the money that they were going to be getting. And his family was kind of against it, but he really wanted to do it. And it was driving him insane. He was like, oh my gosh, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. And they're like, but we could do so much other things with this money. Like, we got five people living in this two bedroom apartment. Like, we could do other things. And it was driving him mentally insane. And one, to kind of see Cindy Portier like that, it wasn't a good look for me. But I know that's not the point, it's a rule. I just I don't think I like the character I don't I don't think I'm a fan of the character so definitely yeah I did not like that now everybody else in this chef's kiss chef's kiss they 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 killed their roles they really really did I genuinely enjoyed watching everybody play their part there was a lot of topics in there that I don't know I feel like back in the 60s or the 50s Because the story takes place in the 50s, but it was shown in the 60s. So I think, like, there was a lot of topics in there that people try to act like we talk about now and that they've never been talked about before, but they are. And I'm going to get into a couple of those things. One moment. Okay, so I want to say, again, reiterate. Claudia McNeil, Ruby D, they did their thing and I really want to talk about those two because they were the black woman um, heads of the household throughout the film. There was a sister that was in there. She is played by Diana Sands and she plays the little sister. Who is in medical school and she's kind of going through the whole like self-identifying journey she must be a doctor she meets this african man she's dating this local man but she's really just trying to find herself and what it is that she likes about herself i genuinely like her i relate to her that's the phase i'm in and i thought her her part was really well rounded however i do want to focus more specifically on ruby d but claudia mcneil's character as well Claudia McNeil plays the mother, the widow, who receives the life insurance check for the family. And first off, I'm going to go ahead and be frank. Now, how many of y'all, specifically my black women, my young black women, can relate to the, I don't know what word to use, but like the love between a mother and a son right like everybody talks about a daddy's little girl but can we talk about a mother's son y'all know what i'm talking about y'all know what i'm talking about this mother loved her son and he acted like a spoiled brat at his grown age and there was no reason for any of it he was 35 years old throwing a tantrum in this movie i swear i sydney portier played the heck out this role and you know what i'm gonna give him his credit because there is no reason he needed to act like that none none i can't get over it i can't get over it but anyway um mama younger she brought up a lot of things that i struggle with today and i know a lot of people are struggling with now with the rent versus own debacle that you have with the economy like her and her husband had lived in the apartment that the how the entire movie takes place in for well over 40 years and they wanted to only live in the apartment for a year, save up their money and get a house. And it never happened. And that's why the first thing she wanted to do was buy a house with the money so she could live out her husband's dream for him. And in the movie, she literally states, we've probably already paid for the house by paying this rent. It makes no sense. And that is like (laughs) It just reminds you of how much things have changed without changing at the same time. I'd be feeling the same way now, like, about deciding whether to rent or buy a home. You're paying for the house anyway. Like, that's... Yeah, y'all get where I'm coming from. This ain't that type of podcast, so we're not going to get that much deep into it. But this movie... This movie, based on the play, was a phenomenal movie overall. Um... I love the topics they talked about. They talked about gender roles. You open up the movie with Sydney Portier's character going off about gender roles. Like, woman, I don't want to go to work. And all you're telling me is eat this and go to work. And all a black woman does is damper a man's dream and rain all over his parade. And she's like, if you don't go to work while she's ironing and cooking, like, He talks about, like, women's job is in the kitchen and, like, it comes, like, the movie comes in strong. There is no chill. There is no relax. It comes in heated. How his sister has no right trying to be a woman doctor and the colored man, the colored woman versus the colored man debacle in this. Like, it really wasn't much of a debacle. He was just kind of mad. And, like I said, he was acting like he was, like, he was acting like something was wrong with him. I don't know. They talked about Christianity and free will versus destiny, like God being the person that creates miracles versus man being the person that creates miracles. The younger sister, Benita, is discovering that she thinks that it is mankind who has control. There is a fight, well, not a fight, but there was discipline because of her belief system in the house that her mother raised her to be Christian, and she's kind of like... This don't make sense to me. Believing this in this does not make any sense to me, and I know a lot of people nowadays sh- struggle with that their, themselves, trying to figure out where their beliefs lie and how much your actions really affect the way that your life is going to go. So, I definitely related with Benita. I really enjoyed watching her try to find herself and if there was ever going to be like uh if there's ever going to be a spinoff of a reason in the sun i want to see what happened with benita i i do i want to see what happened with her um yeah i i did i like the movie i like the movie i just i really did not like his character um at one point there was an argument between him and his wife his wife found out she was two months pregnant she's ready to abort the baby and it's not as common back then which you know is part of the problem that we have today abortion was not as common back then and he was okay with it he was like I don't want that baby like, he ain't say it, but his actions were showing it because he was just throwing a tantrum. I can't talk about his character no more. I can't do it. <laughs> I don't know how to talk about the movie without talking about his character, though, because he was such a big part in it. But I can't talk about his character no more. Something that shocked me but didn't really shock me was how the neighbor, of the white neighborhood, came into play with the movie. So throughout the movie, there was a scene Where the family actually drives to the house that they're supposed to live in and they give the mom some gifts so they show her like how happy they are about everything that's going on. And when they come back and they're starting to pack to move, a member from the quote unquote welcoming community community comes to their house and offers them money to not live there like they'd rather pay the whole community would rather pay these black people to not live there than have black neighbors that was that was wild and then when they weren't happy about it (laughs) he got mad and flipped on them it was like i just don't understand why people can't see eye to eye and they have to be all upset all the time. Like, sir, you came to me because they were mad. (laughs) You're in my house because they're mad and you're gonna call Cassidy. I just, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was very, Mm, I thought it was disrespectful. And as much as we like to say, Things haven't changed. Nobody would be... I don't want to say nobody because I'm sure it happens somewhere. But that's not a common thing, I would like to say. Like, they're not about to create a whole community for you to not come. They just go move somewhere else. I have seen it happen. I like this movie. I remember watching the sean combs version of this movie when i was younger my mom made me watch it and as a black suburban kid i really related to the theme and i'm going to rewatch it again just as an adult just to kind of refresh my memory but i remember relating to it like i remember standing outside of my house white people driving by and they're looking at me like i shouldn't be there like i don't belong i remember me and my friend was sitting in my car just we lived in a subdivision like um a development, so there was like nothing but cul-de-sacs, and when I moved in, there was nothing but white people. Like we could count the black people on our hand. Like there's a lot more black people living there now than there was when me and my family moved in. When me and my family moved in, I want to say there was only four black people in the whole development, four, maybe five, and we all hung out and we all talked and even after more Black people were moving in, I remember there was this one time, me and my friend was sitting in a car. Car is cold. Like, that's how long we were sitting in our car, that the car is cold. And right outside of our sub-development, there was a police station. It was a miniature police station. And they, (laughs) the cops come up to us and they're like, hey, we got word that y'all were drag racing in the development and i was like (laughs) mind you me and my friend are black and like my guy friend like he's a big dude i (laughs) he was pissed he was like what do you mean we're drag racing like the car is cold like it just sounded so utterly ridiculous and movies like this just kind of remind me like we still experience this discrimination we still experience this want for segregation but i love that we're pushing past it anyway i'm not saying it's easy but again one person coming through definitely helps the next person coming through and that trailblazing moment is what is going to get us further because at the time of this movie being a woman doctor was a shocker all on its own but what they didn't talk about was being a black woman doctor and i don't know if i like that or if i don't like if i don't know if i enjoy the fact that they didn't make that distinction because being a woman doctor was a struggle all on its own that why emphasize even more that she was going to be a black woman doctor Or if it was a disservice to people who are watching it and not realizing how much of a struggle that's going to be. Because even in today's society, 62 years later, you don't see a lot of black women doctors. You don't, you don't see that. They're not, they're there, but they're not at the representation level that we need them to be. So I just remember being younger and seeing this movie and understanding how much I related to it. Because I was a black kid in a suburban neighborhood and the white flight was real. It was real. The more black people moved in, the more white people moved out. Like it's real. I know it's real. I have seen it with my own eyes. So I really, I appreciate Lorraine for sharing her story and putting it out there and I'm really grateful for that i'm grateful that she was willing to be vulnerable enough to share that experience that she had so when other people were starting to experience that they understood because that wasn't a common thing back then it's common now but there weren't a lot of black people moving into white neighborhoods there were black people moving into black neighborhoods they were moving out of projects moving out of the ghetto and moving into a black suburb but those black suburbs couldn't they weren't even touching what the white suburbs were doing you know what I mean they weren't they weren't on that level so for her to experience that and then want to share that with the world the play was on Broadway I mean she ain't no slouch put some respect on her name you know so I'm grateful for that I'm really I really appreciate that I'm gonna go ahead and watch the Sean Combs version But I don't know if I'm going to report about it, especially if it's the same thing. I feel like in the Sean Combs version, we see more of the new house. So maybe we'll see more of that interaction between the white neighbors and the black neighbors. But I mean, am I really about to sit here and talk about discrimination? Because we could do that all day. And I basically did it anyway. So I might just come back and... Talk more about how I did not like Sidney Poitier's character. Like, oh my gosh. I'm glad he got nominated. Did He got nominated or did he win? I don't think he won. Yeah, he was just nominated for a Golden Globe. I'm glad he didn't win. Because this was not... I don't think this was something to be nominated for. Or win for. I wouldn't want this to be under my belt this isn't the movie i would want under my belt not that character anyway like i don't know he i did not like the performance (laughs) not the performance i like the performance i didn't like the character oh my gosh it was exactly a year ago we lost sydney portier so shout out to him shout out to him Sydney Poitier died January 6th at age 94 of heart failure January 6th 2022 so it's been exactly a year I didn't realize that that is that is very interesting that was so ironic that this was the first movie that I did and I actually watched this on January 6th so that's even wilder um, I pre-recorded this episode so wow I'm about to ask a question, and y'all are going to be so mad at me. But what role did he get the award for? I know. Don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. Oh, lilies in the Field. I knew that. I knew that. Oh, okay. I forgot. All right. My bad. My bad. I forgot. It was lilies of the Field. I knew that, though. I knew that you you don't gotta come and get me. I I knew that. Yeah. Oh, there's this character. His name was George. He was played by Lewis Gossett Jr. Oh my gosh, that's right. Lewis, it was his debut, wasn't it? Y'all know who Lewis is. Y'all know who Lewis is. Let me double check my notes before I before I lie on here. But Lewis, if it's who I think it is, it was his debut. It was. Oh my gosh. Okay, so George, played by Lewis Gossett Jr., he was like this uppity man whose dad was like in a whole bunch of businesses and stuff, and he was trying to date Beneatha, but Beneatha was not feeling him. She she wasn't. I'm gonna just go ahead and be honest. But you know Lewis because Lewis was in. What was Lewis in? He was in the Jeffersons. He was in. No, they're not about to do the good stuff. Let me. Lewis Gosling Jr.? Yeah. I know he was in one of them super black movies. Like he dies in one of them. Daddy's Little Girl. That's what I was thinking of. I knew it was Tyler Perry. Daddy's Little Girl. He played the mechanic. He was in a lot of other stuff but i remembered him from daddy's little girl he was in why did i get married to i don't think i remember that he's in a lot of other movies though i'm just naming the very few that i've seen um, yeah so seeing him younger that was interesting because it didn't really look like him oh he was in roots I still gotta finish Roots. Have y'all finished Roots? Let me know if you have finished Roots. If you are under the age of 30 and you haven't watched Roots, go ahead and DM me and tell me why. Because me neither. <laughs> you now, he was in a lot of stuff, he was in a lot of TV shows. He played supporting roles in TV shows, it looks like. Yeah, he was in a lot of TV shows too okay well that was cool that was fun and exciting but all right we're gonna wrap this up and we're gonna give into our ending segments I don't want this to be too long because this is already almost 30 minutes so I'm gonna try to keep them under 45 minutes and see how that goes but we're gonna go ahead and get into our giving gratitude and we're gonna go ahead and get into our call to action so with that see you next week so it just wouldn't be right if I didn't give the giving gratitude this week to, well, I'm going to do two. I'm going to do two now that I think about it. I'm going to give the first giving gratitude to Cindy Portier just because it's been a year since we lost him. He was such a genius on and behind the screen. He was a trailblazer, like I was talking about earlier in the episode, the way that him doing these roles like again did not like this role but him doing these roles gave him opportunities to do other roles such as Lilies of the field for him to be in these white spaces and to allow black people to then follow him into these white spaces and be acknowledged for his work that he was doing um if you don't know Sidney Poitier was the first black man and Bahamian man to win a oscar in academy award and he won it for lilies of the field which i mentioned earlier it was on april 13th 1964 so it was three years after a raisin in the sun was released so he definitely got his flowers while he was alive he was definitely appreciated and i love that for him i really do i hope his kids are benefiting from his work i hope his kids are loving his work appreciating his work like I don't know I mean I don't have a celebrity as a parent so maybe I wouldn't watch their stuff but I'm such a movie buff I probably would because I'm a nerd like that but just giving gratitude to him and what he's done for the film and movie world I appreciate that but I also want to go ahead and give some gratitude to Lorraine Hansberry again just for sharing her story with us and being there and witnessing, witnessing the bad in the world, and showing how it can still be good, showing that they we can still overcome and we can still help other other people overcome, to do exactly what we're trying to do by shining a light to our struggles, without making everything seem so pitiful. Um, they got an amazing next step out of this there was a new baby coming there was the new house coming and though it came with the struggles there were still a lot of moments of joy and I appreciate that like I really I really do I really do because again I related to the story I related to being that black kid that black family in the white neighborhood and it's never a good feeling I just It saddens me that I relate to something from sixty years ago, but you know, all I can hope is that my kids don't relate. So I wanna go ahead and like I said, give gratitude to both Sydney and Lorraine and just appreciate everything that they have done. And with that being said, we're gonna go into our call to action. So my current call to action is going to be to substance abuse, according to NPR, where they got their data from the CDC, the avalanche of overdose deaths were driven largely by the spread of illicit fentanyl and crested in March of twenty twenty two. Over the span of twelve months, one hundred and ten thousand people plus died from drug overdoses last year and I personally am invested in trying to get that number lowered. So there is a hotline. It is called the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, also known as Samsung. It is 247-365. You can call in the number 1-800-662-HELP. 1-800-662-4357 and you can speak with somebody and they can help you get care, be a voice to listen to and just see what your next steps can be. It is completely free and confidential and those treatment services, if you go straight online to samsa.gov, so S-A-M-H-S-A.gov you can press the find help in the National Helpline. On there, you will click online treatment locator. And I just put in my zip code and it helped me find a nearby treatment center for people who are suffering from substance abuse. So I found River City Comprehensive Counseling Services and they help service mental health, substance abuse, and veteran employment programs. I'm gonna go ahead and reach out to them and see how I might help. And I'm going to also donate to their cause. I also really enjoy the fact that this is a black ran and um, owned program. This is owned by Jimmy Christmas. So that's cute. He is the founder and the chief executive officer of this program. And his chief operations officer is Tonita Christmas. I'm assuming that they are married. And I just love what they're doing. So I'm going to reach out to them, see how I can help them in any way. And I hope you guys can find a treatment center near you and donate to them, volunteer with them, give in any way you can. And if you need any services, using this resource to find services to help you battle with whatever you're going through. My focus is for substance abuse. But if you're battling with mental health, if you're battling with, this also says, this program is for veterans employment. If you're a veteran and it's really hard for you to find a job right now, use these resources to help you find work. My mom always said, and I will 100% stand behind, there should be no such thing as a homeless veteran. And I agree with that. So with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed me talking about raising in the Sun. I know it wasn't as scripted as it normally is and I was really upset about the main character, Walter Lee Younger, but I just I don't know. I don't like when grown men or women for that matter. I don't like when grown folk don't know how to act. (laughs) Like because it wasn't like they were walk bad off. Like they were all working. They were all it was paycheck to paycheck but he didn't have a terrible life. He was just being a brat and I can't stand a brat like I can't stand a brat especially at your grown age like what did you expect sir but you know he expected more and I can't be mad at him for expecting more I just there's a way you get it and throwing a tantrum like a five-year-old ain't gonna get you there but to each his own um I hope you guys enjoyed speaking about this movie with me I'm still gonna watch a Raisin in the Sun Sean Diddy version but if Sean Diddy starts acting like a five-year-old, I don't know how long I'm going to last. Um, but if you know me, you know why I say that. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> with that being said, again, I hope you enjoy talking about this movie with me. I hope you enjoy just reminiscing on old times and it made you think a little bit about how things have changed and how things haven't changed and maybe something you can do about that change whether that's trailblazing yourself or continuing on to a legacy I know my mom I was raised in a house that was owned and I want to continue that with my family I want to own a house eventually so I have something to pass down to my kids and hopefully they'll learn from me and want to pass on to theirs. And we're creating generational wealth, using properties and financial advice and investments and things of that nature. So if you kind of got that from the conversation, I am grateful that you got that from the conversation. But even if you just learned a little sympathy for people who experience a different life from you and you understand that every, grass and greener on the other side, I understand from when I went to school, I went to school with people who were who didn't have a lot of money and people who had a lot of money. I mean, there was kids who were walking to school and were getting free lunches and there were kids rolling up in like Mazdas and Audis, you know. So you realize the grass is always greener on the other side. Like A lot of people thought that just because my house was in the suburbs and it was nice that everything was peach keen but like I mentioned I suffered from a lot of discrimination in that environment so just kind of understanding that with every experience there is sacrifice and we just got to keep it going one day at a time knocking down these obstacles knocking down these barriers so we can live the life that we want to live and if we can't our kids can and that's just kind of how I see it so I again want to just say thank you to everybody not just Lorraine not just Sydney but the people who came before me who kind of just made it easier for me to live my life so I can make it easier for the younger generation to live their life Um, right now I don't have any kids but I have nieces and I have nephews and I don't want them to struggle I don't want them to face the things that I have to face in this world and again if you know anybody who is suffering with substance abuse or mental health or just any problems please 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 say something and hopefully they get the help that they need with that being said I hope you have a great night tonight and I'll talk to you next week